0: Good morning. Let me greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together today um, to fellowship together and to worship him as we consider what he has to say to us in his word. Let me start by um, thanking you all for your uh, faithfulness and your, your uh, participation in yesterday's event um, the, the Mary Seminar, and I, I, I am sure that it was uh, um, helpful to, to you all, and we pray that God will help us to continue to organize more seminars that serve the, 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 the body of Christ in, 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 in many ways. There are, there are many things that we can learn, and so we need to um, make sure that we are, um, we are available to, to be served in that way, available to be taught and to take in what God has to say to us uh, through many um, of His servants. And so I, I, I want to thank you all, and uh, we understand um, um, with um, those who are not around and um, the different uh, um, things that have held you. And so we uh, we understand and we we pray and encourage you that next time um, um, you you be uh, there with us. Um, we are starting a a series today um, on we are calling it Unveiling Jesus. So it's it's we're going through the uh, I am uh, I am sayings of Jesus Christ from John chapter six to John chapter fifteen. So today I just want to give you more of an um, over of an overview of what we are going to to be doing, so uh, just open the gospel according to John. we are going to look at John chapter six until John chapter fifteen, just to overview through it and and, and look at um, these I am sayings and 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 how they they, they they relate to us and how we can be benefiting from them as we go through it for the next several weeks that are coming John chapter six we're not going to read um, all the verses we're just going to Uh, pick and choose some of the verses that um, are going to give us more clarity and light into the series. So let me uh, open up in prayer and then we'll continue um, with today's sermon. Let us close our eyes and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for bringing us together this morning. We pray that even as we approach your word, oh God, give us hearts that um, look to you with reverence. As I seek to be taught by you O oh God pray that you open our minds um, to understand what you say to us in your word open our hearts to to love you and to receive your truth O oh Lord and conform our will to your will O oh Lord lead us in your directions even as we dive into your word this morning for the sake of your name and your kingdom we pray all this amen now When you think about it, Jesus Christ is the most spoken about person in the entire history of the world. Though this is the case, his identity is often misrepresented. And this has always been the case since the day he walked the earth. Think about it. The Pharisees saw him as an imposter who sought to lead the Jewish nation away from their true religion. And there were also conflicting views among the Jews um, as well. Some believed when they saw Jesus Christ and had him preach and saw him do the the deeds that he was doing, they believed that he was a good man. And while others, on the other hand, thought that he was leading people astray, they, they saw him as an evil man when you read John chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, when Jesus Christ was in Caesarea Philippi, he, he turned to his disciples as, as they were walking with him, and he asked them the most important question I think we should also be faced with. He says, who do people say that the Son of Man is? When they answered him, they answered him according to the popular opinions that were held among the people in Caesarea Philippi. The the various rumors when when people spoke about jesus these were the rumors that they held about his identity some were saying that he's john the baptist some were saying he's elijah others jeremiah or or one of the prophets those were the opinions that people held but jesus turned the question personally to them and said but who do you say the son of man who do you say that i am Peter, led by the Spirit of the Father, answered him, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I believe that the question, that question of the identity of Christ is the most important question that we can ever be faced with. We, we, we can be wrong about and ignorant about so many things in the world. But this is not one of the things we can afford to be wrong and ignorant about. This is not an area open to speculation. It's, it's not a, an area open to creative imagination. And I submit to you this morning that the only way we can truly know who Jesus is, we can truly know the identity of Jesus, is as if he himself takes the initiative to disclose himself to us. That is the only way we can know him. And in the Gospel of, uh, in the Gospel according to John, from chapter six to chapter fifteen, Jesus tells us who he is in a set of statement, uh, statements, uh, referred to as "I am" sayings. But these statements, by, by, by these statements, Jesus invites us to a true knowledge of who he is to use the title of the sermon series, the I am sayings unveil who Jesus is to us. You see, the question we, we must ask ourselves when we, when we consider these I am sayings is what is the significance of these I am sayings? What is the importance of them? Why should we spend time trying to, to, to dig into them, trying to figure out what God is saying to us? And to that there are two answers, and I believe maybe there, there are even more, but I just want to give you two answers. First of all, the I am sayings reveal the identity of Jesus Christ, and secondly, the, the I am sayings, they speak of the mission of, of Jesus Christ. Let us look at the first one. The I am sayings reveal the identity of Christ. You see, these sayings that Jesus speaks of, they function as a revelation of the identity of of Jesus Christ the Apostle John records an instance in John chapter 8 let us go there John chapter 8 and this is where Jesus is talking to the Jews who are questioning him about his identity and as they are questioning him um, Jesus uh, they, 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 they question as to where he comes from and who he is and, and 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 Jesus talks about Abraham and and they say you are you are not Greater than, than our father Abraham. And as he continues, um, he, says to, he says in verse, verse 56, your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Think about that, what Jesus is saying. And, and when they respond to Jesus, they say, you are not even 50 years old that you would speak like that. I mean, Abraham in, in that time um, died about 3,000 years ago or more. And Jesus Christ says, "Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad." So they, 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 they are now confused as to um, what is he saying. And so um, Jesus in chapter eight, verse 58, in this conversations, in, in this conversation that he's having with them, he mentioned his eternal existence by explaining that he existed before Abraham. Listen to what he says. In verse 58, he says, It says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. It is interesting to note that Jesus uses the present tense, I am, rather than I was. The question is, why is that important to note? Why is he using that term, I am? Rather than using the, the past tense, I was. Let me just uh, uh, digress a bit and, 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 and even tell you about the, the, the grammar that Jesus is using here. That it doesn't make sense to the person who was speaking common Greek in that time, who was speaking Koine Greek. It, it, it doesn't make grammatical sense. You see, um, if you wanted to say I am in, 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 in Greek... Um, you could use one of, of, of two terms. You could use the first one ego. Ego. It, it, it means I am. Or you could not use ego you could use a me. It, it also means I am. But Jesus takes those terms and puts them together and says ego a me. I myself Am. And, and the question is, why is Jesus doing this? What is the significance of him using, putting these two words together and saying, ego eimi, I myself am? Let me suggest two reasons why this is important to note. First, when Jesus uses these words, it emphasizes the ageless existence of Christ because it brings out the continuity between his incarnate life and his pre-incarnate past. It brings his incarnate life and pre-incarnate past together. The simple sense in which we can communicate this, since it's a, it's a, it's a mouthful, is that Jesus Christ is truly God and he's truly man. He's fully God, 100% God and 100% man. This reflects and reveals that. The the very same idea is very clear in the opening chapter of the gospel according to John. Verse 1 of of, of John chapter 1, John rushes to to open the veil to the identity of Christ by saying to us in the opening chapter, he says, in the beginning was the word, and, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And he goes on to show us in verse Fourteen, The most amazing truth that, that should rejoice our hearts. The most amazing truth that should lift our hearts in, in unrestrained worship to God. God the Son took flesh upon himself and, and walked among us. He walked among us. It says, in, in verse 14, And the word became flesh and and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory glory as of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth let's 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 put a pin on that one we'll we'll come back to it shortly let's just put a pin on that let's leave it like that secondly the the the, the reason why Jesus uses the present tense, I am, rather than I was, is that it relates him to the God in Exodus chapter 3 verse 14, who appeared to Moses in the flame of fire in the midst of a burning bush. Remember the, the, the narrative or the story in Genesis chapter 3 when God appears to Moses um, in the, flaming, in, in, in the flame out of uh, uh, the burning bush. Uh, um, he, he commissions Moses to go to Egypt to, to, to tell Pharaoh to let his people go. The, the people of Israel that God wants his people to worship him in the desert. So let my people go. As Moses is listening to God, as, as Moses is listening to this commission um, that God is, 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 is giving him He says to God, what shall I say when they ask who you are? What what shall I say, who shall I say has sent me to them? And God answers in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 in these words. Listen to what God says. He says, I am who I am. And he said this, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. I am has sent you. So, so, so when Jesus Christ uses these words in, in, in John chapter 8 verse 58, he invariably is identifying himself as Yahweh. He, he is the one who is self-existent, who created and brought all things into existence, yet he himself was not created. He, he identifies himself as the I am, or the, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, the one who upholds the, the universe by the power of his word. He says, I am the one who commissioned Moses. And the Jews understood what he was saying. They understood very well. When when, when he said, I am, they didn't just say, you need to fix your grammar, Jesus. They didn't say that. Their theology kicked in. They knew what he was saying. They knew that he was identifying himself with God. Look at the next sentence in John chapter 8, verse, verse 58. And in verse 59, it says, so they picked up stones to throw at him. They, they wanted to stone him for blasphemy because he was saying to them, I am Yahweh. He was identifying himself as the God of the ages. Now with this considered, the, 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 the question we should ask is, what is the significance of knowing the identity of Jesus Christ. What is the importance of knowing this I am? The, 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 this very God of very God as, as the Nicene Creed tells us. What is the significance of, of knowing him? Of knowing his identity? One word There probably is a lot of answers that we can give. But I just want to give one word. Hope. Hope. Just like the hope that filled the hearts of the Israelites who were slaves in Egypt, bound in chain by the, by the chains of Pharaoh. And, and, and when they learned that God had sent Moses to set them free from their slavery, their hearts were filled with hope. So we have hope. But greater hope. The Bible testifies that all have sinned and, and fall short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. And again, Jesus says in, 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 in John chapter 8, verse 34, that everyone who's, who commits a sin is a slave to sin. And the fact is that we cannot do anything to save ourselves. So, 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 so when the Bible says, and the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. When we hear that testimony from the scriptures, we should rejoice and uh, 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 that we should rejoice and give thanks to God that he took the initiative when we could not do anything for ourselves. He came down from heaven. He humbled himself. He took flesh upon himself as the writer of Hebrews Tells us in 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 chapter two, verse fourteen. Listen to these words. He says, Since therefore the children share in Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to a lifelong slavery. We hear that? We were subject to a lifelong slavery. So when we hear those words, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, our hearts should be filled with hope that God has done something. Unlike sending Moses to Egypt and now he came in him, by himself, he took flesh to come and rescue his own, to deliver us from slavery. So the I Am sayings reveal, first of all, the identity of Jesus Christ. Secondly, the I Am sayings speak of the mission of Jesus. They they speak of the mission of Jesus Christ. From John, John chapter 6 to John chapter 15, we encounter seven I Am sayings. And these sayings function not only to reveal the identity of Jesus, but also his mission. You see, the mission of Jesus has been obvious from the beginning. In his birth, an angel announced to to Joseph when he was planning to divorce Mary because he thought she had committed adultery, but she was impregnated by the Holy Spirit the angel appears to him and he assures him that he should continue to marry mary in matthew chapter 1 verse 21 this is what the angel says he says she referring to mary will bear a son and you shall call his name jesus for he will save his people from their sins and again in luke chapter 19 verse 10 Jesus announces his, own, his mission to Zacchaeus, saying in these words, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In other words, his mission is a search and rescue mission. He came to search and to, to rescue. You see, the lostness that is described in, in, in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, is not the lostness of someone who took the wrong direction on a busy road, but but rather a sense of alienation from God as a result of sin. It is a sense of being separate from God. And I must submit to you this morning that this is the most tragic thing that one can find themselves in. There are many things that we might call tragic in the world, And rightly so, like the loss of a job, knowing that you support your whole family and probably extended family. And at the end of the day, you find yourself sitting across the table um, to your boss and he gives you a dismissal letter. That is tragic. Like failing an exam, you spent sleepless nights studying for or even the loss of a loved one these things and some of uh, are some of the the tragic things that we face in life but i submit to you this morning that there is nothing as tragic as being alienated from god that there's nothing that can be compared with the tragedy of being alienated from god it is awful, it is, it is dreadful, terrible, and the saddest thing that one can face. You see, love from friends and family cannot make up for it. That The pleasures of this world ca- cannot make up for it. Wealth and fame in the world cannot make up for it. To, to be separated from God is to be without hope. It is to be in a state of despair. In fact, it is to be in a state of utter despair. There's nothing that can be compared to the tragedy of being separated from God, to be described as one who is lost. Think about what Jesus Christ said. Jesus pictured the lost people as patients on whom the doctor gives up on in Luke chapter five, verse 31, he describes them as worse, like criminals on whom the sentence of death is carried out. In, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 40 to 42. He compares their lostness to death in Luke chapter 15, verse 24. He compares it to destruction in Mark chapter 12, verse nine. He compares it to, to damnation, to condemnation in John chapter 5, verse 29. You see, Jesus presents lost people as going astray and being condemned. Lost in such a way that it requires more than than that they simply be found. They must be awakened to eternal life and be saved. So there are I am sayings of Jesus, reveal the mission of Jesus. And this mission speaks directly to the greatest need of the human race. Salvation. They speak to the issue of salvation. When you go through all the I am sayings, you clearly see that they are all linked by the theme of salvation all of them focus on the role of Jesus as the source and giver of eternal life. Let us just look at them just a bit. Three of the sayings refer explicitly to Jesus in terms of eternal life. In John chapter 6 verse 35, he is the bread of life. In John chapter 11 verse 25, he is the resurrection and the life. In John chapter 14 verse 6, he is the way The truth and the life. The other two verses in John chapter 8, verse 12, and and John chapter 10, verse 9, and, and following have a clear reference to life in their immediate context. Think about it. As the light of the world in John chapter 8, he gives those who follow him the light of life. And as the shepherd in John chapter 10, he says about his sheep in verse 28 I give them eternal life and they will never perish the seventh and the final of the I am sayings maintains the connection also with life in John chapter 15 he says I am the true vine and the call is to remain on him as the vine who sustains his branches the branches is a, is a metaphor referring to his disciples. That when the disciple remain in him, he will give them life. He will, he will sustain their life and they will be fruitful in him. So when you look at these I am sayings, in, 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 you, you find that they speak to the greatest need of man. Although you will look, the, look at them in the next coming weeks, in the several weeks that we, we're going to, 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 to be going through this series, that we'll look at them in great, great detail. What, what, what we see here is that the search and rescue mission of Jesus is salvation focused. He came to seek and save the lost that he might give them eternal life. Not just life, but life eternal This is the greatest need of men. We might speak of the greatest need of men today as men needing education. John Stott says, if we think that is the case, that men need education, he says, you take a man who is stealing pens and you put him in school, let me, let me say that again. He, he says, you take a man stealing boats from a railroad and you put him in school and educate him with the best education, when he comes back, if that man is not converted, he will steal the entire railroad. We think that the greatest man, the greatest need of man is politics. Is a great politician, but we see politician after politician has something that disappoints the masses. The greatest need of man, according to scripture, is salvation, eternal life from Jesus Christ. Let me, let me conclude by encouraging you as to why you should, you should look forward to hearing this series. Why it should be something that you meditate upon and seek to learn from. And let me encourage you to read John chapter 6 until John chapter 15. Just meditate on the word of God in that way. First of all, this series, the the reason we are going through this series is the the call. It's a call to behold Christ anew. A, A call to worship him in the splendor of majesty. It's a call to celebrate his work of redemption in our life and and to gladly spread the good news to those who do not know him. It's a call to fall on our knees and to truly worship him as he discloses himself to us. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, We thank you for your word, your word that speaks to our lives, that draws us to yourself, that reminds us of our need for Christ. That when we see him, when we find him, as you draw us to yourself, you may find him as our greatest and supreme treasure as the one who deserves true worship. Draw us to yourself, prepare our hearts in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.